Storehouse Dallas. And see, that's the thing that we, we, we don't get a lot of times because we are stuck in this, why do bad things happen to good people? Like we think once we become a believer that we found Easy Street, right? Have you ever Googled that? It's like, where is it? You know, uh, I don't know about you, but I haven't found that yet. And I have, I, from the moment I got saved, guys, I was so radically encountered with his love that I've never looked back. I have been so fervent in my passion and desire for Jesus. But yet, I have found myself in several wilderness circumstances. And so, so love and fervency and desire and passion is not going to exempt you from the wilderness. And he doesn't want us to have an easy way because he desires that we will have everlasting life. He is more interested in you having a meaningful life than you are having an easy street. And one of the, you know, as I, and I want to tell you something that I, I do and I don't do. One of the things that I don't do is I don't let my circumstances define doctrine. If I find myself in a bad place, I don't, I, don't, I don't form a doctrine around that place. And the thing that I, I do is when I find myself in a difficult situation, I press in to say, God, give me a spirit of understanding so that I can interpret this rightly and your truth will set me free in this hour. So those are kind of, that's kind of how I live my life. And, and what I've, I've, I've found is that <clears throat> through my wilderness experiences, is that the, the, the seed of life, when I said yes and I said, I believe Jesus, I believe, and it became a real thing, the, the Holy Spirit came and he planted a seed within me. And then as that seed began to grow, it needed to displace some things to make room for this internal life in Christ. And so the, the wilderness season has served a great, it's, it's like a teacher almost, that, that I can go into a wilderness season. And the word says that we actually get wooed into a wilderness season, you know? And, and I was reading actually this morning, in Song of Solomon, I love Song of Solomon because there's, there's a couple of dark nights of the soul in, in, in Song of Solomon which um, help to define um, these places that we find ourselves. Well, well, the Lord is actually saying to us in order to woo us into this place of the wilderness, he says, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. So he's saying, rise up out of your ordinary life and all of the things that you've put your hope in and come away with me so I can begin to show you that I am your hope. I am your great reward. I am the reason that I came to get you. And so as I went through these wildernesses, plural, praise the Lord. 
Uh, what I found in, in my heart is this everlasting life is really uh, peace and joy and love. And, um, and, and, and I found that I don't get uh, knocked out of that place. So a circumstance will pop up now and it doesn't take me out of my game with God. It doesn't get me off center. It doesn't knock me because I'm rooted and grounded and, I, and I've allowed my root system through the wilderness experiences to teach me how to look for water, how to look for God and how to grow in God. And you guys know, and you've heard it from me so many times, but my motto in life, and you're willing, you can adopt this. I haven't come this far to come this far. I am not going to let the enemy steal from me, but I am going to steal from him. I am going to have everything that God has for me, this side of heaven, and I refuse to give up. And so I pursue, pursue, pursue in love and to grow in love and to grow in the things of God on the inside. And so all of us are looking for that place called the promised land, right? We're all like, yeah, the promised land, the promised land, the promised land. He is our promised land. Christ, the son of God, the only begotten son of God is our promised land. And so what I found is that as I began to, you know, pursue those things, instead of pursuing my calling, my giftings, all of these kind of things, I found that what happened is um, favor came. You know, I don't know about you, but early on, and maybe this is foolishness, and maybe this isn't the way you used to think, but I used to think that favor came because somebody was going to pray for me, or it was an anointing, or something like that. But what I found is that these blessed times in the wilderness that were so hard created an expansion of Christ within me. And that expansion of Christ within me created the very favor that I was looking for. Because people can smell Jesus. That was the thing that began to open the doors that I so desired. And I was over there. How many of you have done this? Like you're kicking that door, trying to get it to open. Like that door of favor. And you're so frustrated. And your foot hurts. And you're, you're trying to strategize your way to that place. And you're working. And you're tired. And you're stressed out. And you're yelling at everybody. And you're like... Why isn't this working? Why can't I get to the thing that you have for me, God? But then as I, as, I, as I stopped pursuing those things and I just pursued him in the secret place of prayer, I actually, he actually began to grow within me. I became one with him and lo and behold, all those doors started opening. And I was like, well, that was kind of easy. Because the truth is, is that the wilderness seasons, we experience so much loss. And we feel it so deep inside because we think to ourselves, once I've lost it, it's never coming back. It looks like it's dead. Relationships, uh, money. Man, when money goes, whew, 
You're like, that was really hard to make. <laughs> Boy, Lord, that hurt. Now, what am I going to sell? When you're looking around, you're trying to figure it out, right? <laughs> How am I going to pay my bills? But I love, um, we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks, and if you haven't had a chance to hear it, I, I, I encourage you to go and, and to listen to it. Um, the Lord very clearly spoke to us in his word, and you can turn there with me to John 6. Um, and I really encourage you to follow along because it's not going to be up on the wall. Um, John chapter 6. We talked about this a little last week um, where Jesus had just performed the miracle of multiplying the food. And uh, John chapter 6, verse 22. And, uh, And so here he is on the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered and that Jesus had entered the boat with his disciples, oh, had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. And so they're like scratching their heads. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given them had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, when did you get here? You know, you're like, what? Okay, so I was over there, you didn't get in the boat. Now I'm over here, and you're here, but you didn't get in the boat. So they're curious about that. So they said, when did you get here? Which is a funny question. I would have said, how did you get here? But that's what they asked. So Rabbi, when did you get here? And of course, Jesus doesn't even answer that question. How many times does he do that in the Bible? I love it. So he answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And so he's saying to them, you know, you're over here looking for me. Listen, this is personal. He's saying, you are looking for me. Not because of the signs and the ways that I've displayed my nature. You're not seeking after me to know me, but you're seeking after me so that I can give you bread. And listen, Jesus wants to feed us, but he's saying you're looking for me for what I can do for you, not for who I am. You're seeking my hand, but not my heart. And and, and I think he's saying to us today, I am not Santa Claus. I am the lover of your soul. And if you'll seek me, I will be found by you and you'll also get bread. So then he actually says that to him in verse 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has sent has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do? What is the work that we work, the the works of God? So, so, So again, we're all asking the question, that same question, how can we work? 
What do you want me to do? And he says this. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. So if you believe in him, every step of the way, when he tells you to do the things that you're like, oh no. When he says, I want you to give away all your money. Well, that can't be God. I want you to give away, you know, the laundry, the list is long. I want you to give away. I want you to voluntarily weaken yourself or I want you to quit that job because I have another one for you. Oh, that's awesome, God. Can you go ahead and give me that other one before I actually quit my job? And then I could get like a raise and, you know, and he's like, no, 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 you go first. The way of the kingdom is you jump off that cliff and I'm get, and wings are going to sprout. Not you, you, a bridge is going to appear and you're going to walk across the bridge, right? <laughs> Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will we do? And, and our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it was written, he gave them the bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. If you believe, if you believe, if you believe, this is a daily thing. It's daily bread, and it's daily believing. That's the key behind this wilderness season. If you will believe, then you will get out of this wilderness season a lot sooner. And the Lord showed me, he said, the perfect picture of the season of the wilderness is actually like lifting weights. How many of you lift weights? Come on, we all do it. Whatever, you pick up the groceries, right? Okay. Everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, word. I don't even do that anymore. I have those people Instacart deliver it to my house. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. God heard my prayer. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to read to you this, what, what happens. Because I think the physical body can demonstrate a lot of spiritual things that the Lord is talking to us, okay? So I'm going to read this to you. During a workout, for those of you that don't know, Intense weight training or weight lifting causes microscopic tears to form in the fiber of connective tissues of the muscles. These tears fatigue the muscles and accumulate in large number. With proper rest and sufficient nutrients, the bread from heaven, the muscles will slowly rebuild over the following days, but the repair... Um, will cause, or excuse me, the ability of the body to rebuild these muscles increases the size and strength of the muscle capacity. So therefore, those tears of being weakened in the wilderness, as we, as we rest in that place and don't run around trying to find the door, the exit. How many of you have done that? 
that doesn't work. I'll tell you why in just a minute. Don't do what I did. Okay, so uh, you actually get stronger. That muscle builds. And I love how the Lord said he was talking about a house divided, cannot stand. And he was, and, and, and I think it's, uh, da, 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 don't get me wrong. Um, and I'll have to, where is that? It's in my notes. A house divided cannot stand. The thing about going into a wilderness is you realize how divided your house is. That your internal house that you're wrestling within yourself and you're actually double-minded in a lot of your ways. And you actually don't know that because you think you're really cool, good-looking, and rich before you go into the wilderness, right? But you get into the wilderness and you're like, man, <laughs> I ain't so cool after all. And nobody else thinks I'm cool either. Right? You get in that wilderness, like you lost all your money, you lost all your stuff, none of your kids talking to you and they don't like you, and all of a sudden, nobody else likes you either. They're all like, oh, ooh. Like it's contagious, right? <clears throat> but he said this, Jesus said, the thing about the strong man is that we have to bind the strong man so that we can take the strong man's house. If I have something in me, I cannot have authority over that thing until that thing in me goes. And so the wilderness is a great place. It's like an e ejection chamber and it starts to eject these things out of me and then as those things come to visit me again, I can't be tempted to join in agreement with them. And as Jesus said about Satan, he has nothing in me. And those things, as they try to revisit me through circumstances or fear or uh, mostly fear, you know, I'm going to lose my job. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. Well, you know, but, but once that thing is gone out of me, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, moving on down the road. And my response to these things when they're peace and love and patience and long-suffering, when I begin to, when the fruit of the Spirit starts coming out of me through these circumstances, these circumstances and the people around me are going to respond in, a, in a, a really good way. And so it's not going to take you out of your game. So that's the beauty of being promoted to see the Lord is actually, for many of you right now, the Lord's turning the page. He's actually turning, you're going to a new chapter. And so he's like, you can't take a lot of what you have with you into this new season because you won't be able to sustain the growth of the new season because the things in you will cause you to fall. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about some of my own uh, experiences. So I'm just going to get real. Is it okay if I get real? Uh, I, I probably, I tried to count them this morning, but you know how you try to blot out those things in your memory, you know? <laughs> well, we'll just kind of 
scratch that season off and I won't remember it, but there, I've gone through about 10 wildernesses. And to say I'm a little slow would be an understatement. I would say about four of those wildernesses happened before I was saved. Really, just stuff that I was doing to myself, you know. I was a disaster. Um, I was wild and didn't know Jesus. And so, you know, you can fill in the blanks. Um, and then as I came to Christ, things were going really well until John and I prayed this prayer. Lord, we want to have an exceptional life in you. God, we just don't want to have a casual Christian life, but we want to go all the way. God, we want to, we want to have it all. And like the next week, everything fell apart. And I thought, oh gosh, we, was that that prayer? <laughs> Lo and behold, it was. But here's the thing about that. I didn't understand what I'm telling you today and what I'm sharing with you today. So I went through several wilderness seasons and I didn't learn anything. I just fought and kicked against the goads. I, I fought with Jesus. I argued. I complained a lot. I whined. I told everybody around me all about my problems. I whined to them, brought them into my whining session so that everybody would feel sorry for me. And a lot of times, if it was something where I'd been betrayed, I was like, oh, okay, I want you to get in on this pity party so that you can be with me on my side. I'm sure none of you have ever done that. Because I wanted to be right. <clears throat> right and wrong, right? So, the Song of Solomon talks about this and about there being two dark nights of the soul. And the first dark night of the soul where the Shulamite, the, the bride, is invited into this dark night of the soul. She was immature and didn't have the courage to go. And that was me for a lot of it. I was like, no, I don't want to volunteer for pain I don't want to volunteer for loss. I don't, want to, I don't want to do that, God. I don't care what you have for me in that place. I don't have the courage to do that. It didn't change the fact that I ended up in that place because what was inside of me put me in that place. Listen to me. Because I failed to seek God in the place of sorrow and the place of heartache, I got to revisit that wilderness over and over and over. Now, does God love me with all of his heart? And he was trying really hard to help me not hurt myself. And so finally, this last time, I was actually the person in the Shulamite. I was the bride for the second dark night of the soul, where he was inviting me into that time. And I voluntarily said, south wind come, north wind come, and blow on my garden. And I invited the wilderness to have its way in my heart. And it was something that I thought was going to kill me. 
And I knew when I was saying those words, all right, God, have your way. And he was putting his finger on some things in my life that losing these things was going to cost me everything. But he said, they have to go. And I knew that this voluntary letting go was going to be the place where I met him face to face. And so every accusation from the beginning of my life came and visited me. You're not a good leader. You're not good at loving people. You're not good. And so for a year, I had to wrestle through that. And at first, it was just me crying a lot and getting physically sick because it was so big. And then the Lord began to meet me in that place. And I didn't talk to people. I mean, there were people that were praying for me, but I wasn't going around with a banner that I had in the past, you know. I was just in that secret place of meeting with him and meeting with him and meeting with him because I knew that he was the only one that had the answer for me. Nobody else could get me out of this but him because he was the one that brought me into it. And so through that process, I learned how to use the word of God to slay that demon that was speaking to me. I learned how to begin to establish my identity through the word. I learned like how to strengthen myself in the Lord. And in that place, I became this champion. I became fully me. And in that place, I finally died. Finally. And I was trying to hold on so hard not to feel any pain. I just don't want to feel any pain, God. But he's like, if you'll just go with me and trust me on this journey, then you'll find that your life is on the other side. And so now that I'm on the other side of this and coming up out of this, I'm coming up out of this with so much authority, not because I'm great, but because he's great. And not because I'm strong, but because I know I'm weak. And I am truly coming up out of this leaning on my beloved. I'm leaning on him. And that means basically I don't do anything unless we talk. I am so grafted into him. And through all of this, what I'm finding is the very thing that I so desired and I knew God had for me is actually beginning to blossom. And I'm not doing anything. I'm not working. I'm not striving. I'm not, I'm not tired. I'm not stressed. I'm just loving Jesus And Jesus is going out and making all of this happen for me. He's bringing me my hot, fresh bread. 
And I'm being fed spiritually, and I'm being fed in my body with the very things that he said were mine. So I know you guys like numbers, so I'm going to tell you the three things that I learned to do. Number one, I learned to surrender and to die and not to hold on to the things that he's requiring from me. You can't really hold on to him anyway, so you might as well let go. And you need to hear that. You need to hear, let it go. The second thing I did is I worshiped him in my pain and my suffering and my heartache. I gave him praise when my whole life and my heart was broken and my whole life was falling apart. Because the truth is, when you get to heaven, there's not going to be any tears and there's not going to be any pain and there's not going to be any suffering and it's going to be easy to worship him there. But true worship, when nothing is going your way, that right there is the sacrifice, the sweet-smelling aroma that he's looking for. And I tell you what, you want to heap coals on the demons' heads? You worship Jesus when your life is falling apart. The third thing, ask for wisdom in that place where things aren't going well. It's like, God, I need wisdom. I need you to tell me what's going on. Ask for wisdom. He will give you wisdom. When you fall into trials, ask for wisdom. And he'll tell you, this is what I want to tell you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I, my perspective on the things that are happening in your life. And it'll help to ease the burden in your heart. So, God is looking for this in you. It's not that you'll have a big ministry. It's not that you'll have millions of dollars. All of that, yes, there's that. Praise the Lord. But this is what he's looking for, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son that if you will believe in him every day, then he will give you everlasting life. And this will become your reality. And so I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Do not fight the wilderness. Do not resist this place. Because God is trying to promote you. He is trying to help you get to the next place. And he doesn't want there to be any pause in your life. He doesn't want that. He wants to turn the page. But the page can't turn unless you follow him into these places if he's calling you to go. And so during my time, the Lord put his finger on so many things in me. Pride. That is the ugliest thing. And I was like, I don't 
don't have pride. I don't have pride. If you're saying that, you probably have pride. Man, I was so prideful about so many things. He put his finger on that. Jealousy? Nobody wants to be jealous. We're all like, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. I'm fine. I'm fine that all those other people are doing really well and I'm not. I'm fine. (laughs) You know? But man, once those things are gone, you can start celebrating everybody else's victory because their victory is your victory. And you know, you hear that said, but you're like, whatever. That's not true. It is. And so I've gotten to this place because of my wilderness that I actually am like, I can't wait for all of these other people to do well. And I've become like everybody else's cheerleader instead of me trying to fight for myself to get ahead. Yeah, that's pretty ugly, right? That I would, that that was in me. But I didn't know that was in me until I died. So, let's stand. God, you are so good. You're so, 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 so good. I thank you, Father, that you don't love us a little, but you love us with an everlasting love unto everlasting life. You're a good dad. I thank you, God, that you keep us close to your heart. Even in the wilderness seasons, Father, we are so, you are so near to us. I ask you, God, this morning for a revelation of the Father's love in our hearts. God, that we would trust you enough to go to the hard places and we would say yes to you. And God, if, if, everybody, if there's anybody here who's in a wilderness time, God, I pray for grace in the wilderness. I pray, Father, that you would put ointment on their hearts. God, I pray that they would surrender and just give it up. Give it up. God, I thank you that you're you're showing us who you are and showing us who we are in these seasons. And I ask you, God, for a grace to pursue you that we would have radical surrender and radical pursuit of your heart. I thank you that you're faithful to finish what you're starting in us, God, and you're going to get us all the way there. God, would you give us a grace not to fight you? And we just say today that we love you In Jesus' name, and everybody said. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give, or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. 
Thank you very much for your contributions.